can or whatever. And, but you know the Lord gets all the glory out of that? That somebody's willing to go to all that trouble to glorify Him. I know I would get, I know, I mean, I'm, I'm a man that's not holy and I'd get excited about that. So how much more would God get excited about that? A lot, a lot more. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 8. Put me up some markers in here. I know I say this all the time, and I've never, I've never done, I've, there's never been a time I've done something for the Lord that He didn't bless me. Not one time. Every time. It don't matter if we're going out to nursing homes or going out handing out tracts at the festivals, wherever we're at, there's not been one time when the Lord didn't bless me. And I didn't feel blessed doing it. Uh, it, it. I've told people this, and I know it sounds kind of, I don't know, people don't get it sometimes, but I always tell people, Jesus Christ is the best boss I ever had. He's the best boss I ever had. Look at Revelation chapter 8. Look at verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you bless this teaching, Lord God. And Father, I know that as we're going into deeper into your word, Lord, deeper into the book of Revelation, Lord God, it's going to take us to Jeremiah, Lord. It's going to take us to Haggai, back to Zechariah, Lord. And I, I pray, Father, you give us wisdom, Lord, to understand these things, Lord God, the deeper things, the meat, Lord God. I know some of us, Lord, have been on milk for a while, Lord God. It's time to get into the meat of the Bible, Lord God. Help us to understand it. Lead us, guide us, direct us into all truth, Lord God. And I pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, before these services are concluded, Lord, they'll come down and get saved. That's what we're here for, Lord. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. All right there, verse 1. And when he, that, so we'd gone through the six, he opened up the six uh, seals. And then we had a, chapter 7 was just kind of a break where God was given a seal. And he gave a seal to the 144,000. And then he says when he had, and then we're going to have the seventh seal open here in verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So that's um, new, used by every male chauvinist to say that women are not going to be in heaven. But that's not true. I mean, all, kid, <laughs> all kidding aside, all kidding aside, Remember what we were, we were talking about at the beginning of this teaching. That the Bible, there's four, there's four accounts of the first coming of Jesus Christ. So what you're going to find out in the book of Revelation is you're going to have four different accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we're out here in ver chapter 8, verse 1. We've gone through 6. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So we're doing the 7th. So that's, uh, that would be chapter 6 through 8. And now this chapter 8, we're going to go through uh, four of them. I believe there's four of them we're going to go through here. Yep, we're going to go through four of them. And that's going to run, run from like chapter 8 to verse 11, uh, chapter 11. And then we're going to go through, so we're going to go through the seven seals. And then we're going to go through the, the seven trumpets. So we did the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and then we're going to do seven personages. And the personages is going to be talking about uh, the Antichrist, the, the, all these weird kind of signs in heaven. And there's going to be seven of them. And then we're going to get into the, the vials. And that will be the last account of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that, that runs from uh, chapter, basically chapter 12 to uh, 14, I think it's 14 to 19. Then 19, Jesus Christ comes back. And the vials, are seven vials there. So there's four different accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So there's going to be four different accounts of our Lord and Savior coming back in His second coming. So chapter 8 is the beginning 
of the trumpets. It closes out the seals and it's going to begin the trumpets. Now we're going to start back over. You're going to see some of the same things that were talked about in the seven seals mentioned as we go through the trumpets. And in verse 2, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. There we go. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and it was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with prayers, with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So your prayers are like, your prayers are like sweet smells to the Lord God. When you smell a rose, or you smell something really, that smells really good to you, that's how your prayers are to God. They go up before God like that, like sweet smells. And that's what that incense is. And that smoke, it burned that real pretty smell, and that smoke would descend up and had a real beautiful smell. And that's what this angel's doing here. Verse 5, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. We're going to find out later on in the book of Revelation that God, uh, John goes to record some of them thundering, some of those voices, and God said, don't record that. So it kind of implies that it's Satan or the fallen angels hollering back. We don't know. They don't, we don't record it, but that's what's going on there. Verse 6, And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So here we go. Verse 7. First angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. So you got this horrific thing where hell and fires mingle together with blood. There's a, there's a verse in Ezekiel where God says he's going to rain blood on the earth. B-L-O-O-D. He's going to rain that blood on us. So you, this is a horrific, nightmarish time in world history when God's judging and his wrath has come down on the earth and the trumpet sounds that causes this to happen. The middle of verse 7. And the third part, the third part of trees were burnt, was burned up and all green grass was burned up. So we've studied last time we were on the seals that when, you're, when you look at those seals when they're opening up, it sounds like an atomic explosion going off. It reads like an atomic explosion. I took you to Zechariah where it described what we would think of as an atomic explosion. That's a lot like what verse 7 is describing there. So what you have going on here in these trumpets, and what's interesting about these trumpets is that in these trumpets, you're going to see that one-third. you see that one-third right there? In verse 7, it says, and the third part, or one-third. So the trumpets are associated with one-third. You'll see this over and over and over again, one-third, one-third. You're going to see that 11 times from verse 7 to verse 12. You're going to see that 11 times, one-third, one-third, one-third. It's in total, after all the trumpets are done, it's, done, it's going to be 13 times that the Lord God is going to write down one-third of this and one-third of that and one-third of this and one-third of that. Look at verse 8. And the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain, burning with fire, was cast into the sea. In a third part of the sea, there it is, third part of the sea became blood. This mountain hits that sea, that sea turns into blood. Of course, that's going to kill everything around there. It's nasty. To me, now, I'm, I'm just speaking myself, there's nothing nastier than blood. If it's deer blood, hog blood, seeing it on the road when you're driving down the road, seeing it splat where somebody's hit a deer or a hog, a wild hog or something, there's nothing nastier than seeing blood, especially human blood. And to think about the, the, just the nastiness and the nightmare of all of this, it's hard for us to believe it. See, I tell this all the time, what you're going to find out in this book of Revelation it's not really hard to understand it. It's hard to believe it. 
When God starts describing this stuff and you're like, one-third of the grasses burn up? One-third of the, the, the sea becomes like blood? It's not hard to understand that. I mean, uh, somebody in fifth grade can understand that. It's, do you believe it? Amen? Do you believe it? All right, third, verse 9, And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So this star could be an angel named Wormwood, could literally be a meteorite named Wormwood, whichever way, it comes down. And when it hits, it says the third part of the rivers and the fountains of waters, it turns it bitter. This water is not drinkable. So you remember in the tribulation period, you've got to take that marker. You can't buy or sell. You can't buy any water. And one-third of the water is turned bitter. You can't drink it. Now, some men will drink it and die. Verse 11, the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. They can't get the water. They, they can't get any water. They try to go ahead and drink the water, and they die. A lot of men out on the sea, that's how they die. They die because they're drinking that seawater. Uh, what's that rhyme of the ancient mariner? Water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. That's what happens. So there's water, water everywhere, but God's turned it bitter. You can't drink, can't drink the water. And if you do, you'll die. Calls it wormwood. That wormwood is used through the Bible. It was a it was a, a, a plant that would cause things to be bitter when it was put to anything it did. It was real bitter, so it got in there and it corrupted the water. Verse twelve. Here's the fourth angel. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So everything's cut in thirds. And it's like the, the stars aren't shining as bright, the sun's not shining as bright, the, the moon's not shining as bright. Everything, and it says there's something weird, and we're going to tie it to Matthew, but it says there in the middle of verse 12, So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 24 where Jesus Christ says, Except those days be sh should be shortened. Except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. So when you read that, you're thinking, oh, is he saying that there's not going to be very many days of tribulation? Or, like some people have interpreted that with this verse, are the days going to shorten? So how would the days shorten if the earth has been shaken because of the great earthquake and the earth starts spinning just a little bit faster? God's hand is in all of this. And it'll be amazing to think if God was to say, to take the earth and kind of start spinning it faster and there's a third part, of the, a third part of the day didn't shine because it's going faster. The days are shortening up. The days are getting shorter. Years ago, I heard a Christian say that to me. And he said, yeah, God's going to shorten the day. The days won't be long. They'll go by faster. And I said, that's not what that verse means. And then years later, I'm like, that might be what that verse means. <laughs> Maybe the Lord had given him something. But you know what that guy did? He, he read the book and believed it. Amen. Sometimes you're going to have somebody, you're going to read something and go, go, hey. And somebody go, oh, that's not what that means. Maybe the Lord gave you something that he didn't give a preacher or a pastor. He does it all the time. Just read the book and believe it. That's the best advice I can give you this morning. Read the book and believe it. Verse 13, and I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. And when I say whoa, I mean whoa. No, that's Yosemite Sam. I love Yosemite Sam. Remember when he was riding that camel, it wouldn't stop, and he started beating it? Bah, 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 bah. The reason I'm making a lightheartedness of this is because this is going to get awful. He's saying, whoa, 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 why? To the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So we just went through four, and he said the three much, the three, the three, there's three more coming, and they're worse than those first four. <laughs> and you see what kind of a nightmare thing you're reading here in chapter 8. So we went through all of chapter 8, but I want to go back up to verse 8. We're going to focus on verse 8. I didn't really describe it much because we're going to, I'm going to do a lot. We're going to go through the scriptures. We're going to search out this great mountain. And I think, it's, I think it's interesting enough to spend a Sunday school or a Sunday service studying this great mountain because it has a lot to do with what you're seeing going on in the world today, believe it or not. Verse 8, And the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain, burning with fire, was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. A great mountain. You know, when you watch the movies, and the devil's in, in control of all of Hollywood. When you watch the movies, what do you see? What's one, what's, when you start thinking, what, what are the main movie producing companies? You think of uh, MGM. And we, what do you watch when you watch an MGM movie? What's, what's the first thing they show? They show a roaring lion. And the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion looking whom he may devour. If you watch Columbia, they show some woman with a light. Lucifer, the light bearer. Bringer of light. That's Lucifer. Then you see Paramount. What's Paramount? You got this huge mountain, the great mountain right there. So I'm going to write these words down. You got great mountain. All right, I'm going to write this down. Great mountain. Because we're going to find these words again in Scripture. If you ever want to do some serious study in your, your Bible, what you want to do is you want to study words. So what we say, burning, it says burning fire, right? A great mountain burning with fire. We'll write that down. And then what's it say? It's cast into the sea. Right? That great mountain cast into the sea. So write down cast into the sea. So we got great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. A great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea, uh, which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships. So let's write that word down. So what we're going to do is we're going to study up, well, I'm going to take you to some scripture, and what we're going to do is we're going to study out some scripture, and we're going to find these words, we're going to find out exactly what's going on here. So turn to Revelation chapter 18. Because I'm going, to, I'm going to show you this great mountain in the Bible. So something, God calls it a great mountain, it's took and threw in the sea. You see it, it's cast, it, this great mountain, it's lit on fire, burning, and it's Cast into the sea. So turn to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. So let's find out what this is. Let's find out together. And we're going to do that by studying Scripture to Scripture. Martin Luther, great man of God, sola scriptura. He'd always say sola scriptura, only Scripture. So what I'm going to show you is some really strange things this morning. Really wild things. Crazy things. But I'm going to, I'm going to point this out right now. Before you judge me, what I'm going to show you is coming straight out of the Bible. All right, Revelation 18, verse 2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, 
and it's become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So there's the word Babylon. All right? And what does it say about Babylon there? Babylon is what? Fallen, fallen, right? It's fallen. Babylon is fallen, it's fallen. Look at uh, verse 10. Chapter 18, verse 10. And when I, when I preach through chapter 18, I'll slow down and try to explain this, and we'll try to figure it out together. But right now, I'm trying to show you the connection between all of this. Look at verse 10. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for one in one hour is thy judgment come. So you're seeing it's Babylon. It's a mighty city. So this is a city named Babylon, and it's come in one hour. Quickly, it was judged. Quickly. Now look at verse 15. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her, they were all being rich off of Babylon, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, there it is, As many as trade by sea, there's the sea. All right, I'm going to underline that. Stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich of all that had ships. There it is again. In the sea by reason of her coastlines, for in one hour she made desolate. So this city is being made rich by ships. And these ships, I mean, the ships are being rich by the city, and they're surrounding the city. Now it's fell, so all, it's, it's, but the Bible's specifically pointing out that not just the world is, is bemoaning that this city is fell, it's that the shipmaster, the people, the merchants, the ships that were coming and getting stuff from this city, they're all dying. And this is Babylon. Now if you look at Babylon on that map over there where Babylon was, it's out there in the desert. How's, it, how's it, the ships around this coastline? How is this going on? That's something you've got to think about. Look at verse 20. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and yet ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And I'll talk all about that when we get to it, but look at verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea. Ooh. That's almost, well, that is exactly what Revelation 8, 8 said. And call it a stone, and a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying what? Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. Verse 21 is a lot like what we just read going on in Revelation 8, 8. The angel takes a great millstone, this is how Babylon's going to fall, and he throws it down into the sea, casts it into the sea. And we just read there was a mountain, a great mountain, and it was burning, and it got cast into the sea. So now let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 51. We're going to stay here for a little while. Jeremiah chapter 51, scripture to scripture. Now let's find out what this great mountain is. We're finding out that when you compare scripture to scripture, that Babylon is being described as falling just like this great mountain was falling. So if we go to Jeremiah chapter 51, look at verse 12. Jeremiah 51 verse 12. 
So this whole chapter here is a prophecy against a mystery Babylon. There it is, the word Babylon. It's all about the Babylon and the mystery. It's all prophecy. In other words, it's to come to pass. And look at verse 12. Set up the standard upon the walls of Babylon. There she is, Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set up the watchmen. Prepare the ambushes. For the Lord hath both devised and done that which he spake against the inhabitants of Babylon. Look at verse 13, though. O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come and the measure of thy covetousness. He there describes Babylon as dwelling on many waters. Now we notice that in Revelation 18 it said that she had coastlines and she was being surrounded by these ships. And then we saw there that she was going to be cast down into the sea and she's fallen and fallen. And we see there's a great mountain. It was cast into the sea. So we're tying all this together. Now skip down to verse 24. Now we're going to get a little deeper. Now it's going to get strange. And I will render unto Babylon, there she is again, and to all, all the inhabitants of Chaldea, all their evil that they have done in Zion, in your sight, saith the Lord. Behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain. Uh-oh. There's that mountain. So now when you're comparing Scripture to Scripture, you're seeing the same thing described about Babylon being cast into the sea. It was a mountain in Revelation 8.8, but it was called a great mountain. Here it's being called a destroying mountain. If you're coming in here on Wednesday nights when I'm doing my studies on Wednesday nights or if you're trying to follow me on Facebook or wherever you're seeing me uh, or hearing me, I'm going through Ecclesiastes and when I get to chapter 12, I'm in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 now. When I get to chapter 12, I'll, just, I'll, I'll show you what it, why it's called a destroying mountain. I can't do it this morning. It takes too much time to do. But on Wednesday night services, I'll tell you why and show you why. But let's move on. Behold, against the old destroying mountain, saith the Lord, which destroys all the earth. And I was, all the earth. It's destroying all the earth. It's a destroying mountain. Saying, the Lord, which all the earth, and I will stretch out my hand upon thee and roll thee down from the rock so it's been cast down and will make thee a burnt mountain. Oh, Revelation 8, 8 is a mountain was burning with fire cast into the sea. There's that burnt. See that? Scripture to Scripture. And will make thee a burnt mountain. Now let's get weird with it. Verse 26. And thou shalt not take of thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations, but thou shalt be desolate forever, saith the Lord. All right. If you have a $1 bill on you, take it out. I'm going to show you something. If you have a $1 bill on you, take it out so you can look at it. No, nah, no, nah, don't. Y'all calm down. I'm not passing an offering plate. I already seen some of y'all reach for your packet. Oh, you ain't getting mine, buddy. I'm not taking your money. I'm not trying to get your, $1, your last $1 bill you have. You can save it for the tax man. I just want to show you something about that $1 bill. It says it's a great mountain. And that great mountain is a destroying mountain. But what's interesting about that great mountain, the destroying mountain, in verse 26, he describes it, They shall not take of thee a corner, a stone for a corner, Not take of thee a stone for a corner. What that's describing there in verse 26, and we'll get into it a little more, is that it looks like it's describing a pyramid. Like the great pyramids over in Egypt, or the great pyramid over in Egypt, and there's lesser pyramids. They believe that the great pyramid was built by somebody else, and the lesser pyramids were just trying to mimic what they had already seen been built. But the great pyramid, 
And what's interesting about verse 26, it says, That shall not take of thee a stone for a corner. A stone for a corner. So, there's only one building or architectural structure that the, stone, the corner can be the head, and the head can be the, the corner. Now, Jesus Christ is described in Matthew 21. He says of himself, it says, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing is marvelous in our eyes. He said, have you never read that? The only thing you're going to find, it can be the, that can be the head and the corner is a pyramid. It's a triangle shape or a pyramid. That's the only structure. That can be the head, but it also can be the cornerstone. Peter went on to talk about Jesus Christ. He said, wherefore also is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, he says, The same is made the head of the corner. If you're looking at, if you got your $1 bill, you're looking at that $1 bill, on the left-hand side, you'll see a pyramid. And on that pyramid, if you look above that pyramid, there's this structure like this. Y'all see that there? Now, I've told y'all before that I was into the occult before I got saved, right? I was in the occult. I studied the occult. I was really deep into Satanism and uh, witchcraft and stuff like that. Got brothers and sisters, that eye right there is nothing more than the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. That's what that is. And I drew it up here for you. The great mountain, the destroying mountain. He said, God says, I'm going to cast it into the sea. If you got that $1 bill with you, see that word up there? Anuit Coptus? See that Latin up there? Anuit Coptus? See that? That means favor understand, favorite undertaking. Favored in the undertaking. Uh, favored in the undertaking of what? If you look at the bottom of that seal, what does it say there? Novus Ordo Seculum. New World Order. Novus New Order Ordo. Seculum, world, secular. New order of the world. Or they call it the new world order. First time I heard that spoken through any kind of political speech was George Bush. The daddy. So we're trying to create a new world order. And you're seeing, you hear Biden say that some now. They say it a lot more now. We're trying to do a new world order. We're trying to do a new world order. It's a, a favor. What you, if you look that up, that Anuit Coptus, the favoring of our undertaking... It's, they're saying that's God. My, my question to you is what God? Paul says there's a God of this world, lowercase g. That's the devil. He's talking, Paul's talking about the devil, the God of this world. There's a God running this world. It's not the Lord God that we worship. And he wants to take his place. Why does he want to take? If you look at this pyramid on this $1 bill, that eyes above that pyramid taking the point. Why? Because he wants to take the place of Jesus Christ, the Antichrist. That's all Lucifer wants to do is take the place of God. The head of the corner, the cornerstone, has become the head. Satan says, now if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to be the head. I'm going to set up there. It's a new world order. Look at chapter 51, verse, uh, Jeremiah chapter 51, look at verse 53. 
And I said, y'all pull out y'all's $1 bills. And I saw the look on y'all's faces. I'm the same way. We were just talking about giving in Sunday school. And I appreciate those who were in Sunday school, they, they were a lot less quick to reach for their wallet to hide it. No, we, we just, I'm just messing around with y'all guys. Jeremiah 51, 53 was getting strange, isn't it? It's going to get even stranger. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven. Underline that. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven and though she should fortify the height of her strength, yet from me, from me shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. The sound of a cry cometh from Babylon. What's going on here, Brother Keegan? Well, when I've studied this out for years and years and years, this is my conclusion. And I might be wrong. I might be right, but this is what I'm going to teach because I've studied it out, and I'm showing you this is Scripture to Scripture. It says there in verse 53, though Babylon should mount up to heaven. I think that Babylon that's mentioned in Revelation is not the Babylon that we know of that, was, that Saddam Hussein was trying to rebuild there in Iraq and Iran. It's not. It's mystery Babylon. And I believe this Babylon is going to be a ship about like this, it's going to be a ship that looks about like this, and it's going to be floating. Now, if you want to call that a mothership, you want to call that an alien ship, you want to call that a floating city, whatever word you want to give it, I call it, I call it mothership Babylon. And though Babylon should mount up into heaven, and I think God's going to get just about enough of Babylon, and you read it in Revelation 8, 8, you read about it in Revelation 18, that he's going to take that mountain, that great mountain that looks like a mountain, right? It's a pyramid. It's, it's a stone that they try to make look like a mountain by building it up. He's going to take that old mountain right there. He's going to burn it. He's going to cast it down into the sea and destroy it. Look at, chap, look at uh, verse 63. Look at verse 63. So God's given all this to Jeremiah. Look at verse 63. Same chapter, chapter 51, verse 63. He's given all this to Jeremiah. And this is what he says at the end, at the end of this chapter. And it shall be when thou hast made an end of reading this book, and that's what we're doing, we're getting, to, we're getting to it, that thou shalt bind a stone, there's a stone to it, look, and cast it into the midst of Euphrates. There's the cast again. We already got the babbling again. You should cast it into the midst of the Euphrates, and thou shalt say, thus shall Babylon sink. And shall not rise from the evil that I'll bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. He did, so he says, you take that stone, and you take that, you bind all this, this right, I give you, you bind it to a stone, and you cast it in Euphrates, just like it's cast into the sea in Revelation 8, 8. Revelation 18 is cast into the sea. So that's what I'm going to do with Babylon. Now how's he going to take a city and cast it into a sea, into the sea? If it's sitting over there in the desert. Well, this city's weird. It's got surrounded by ships. It's like this city's floating around the water. Look at Zechariah chapter 4. If you find the book of Matthew in your Bible, turn to the left, just a couple of pages. If you find the first of Matthew, turn to the left, you'll have Malachi, and you turn to a couple more pages, you'll find the book of Zechariah. And if you'll turn to Zechariah chapter 4, I'm going to show you something. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7. And I'll show you something. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7. Who art thou, O great mountain? Nope. There we go again. Remember? 
I, one of the first things I was saying, when you're going to study the Bible, you study the words of the Bible. The Bible's made up of, of, of words. That's why, I, listen, guys, before I got started teaching and, 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 and preaching the Word of God, before I started getting serious about the Word of God, I used the NIV. And I used the New King James Bible. And I used a new, new International Standard Version. I used all kinds of different versions of the Bible. And what I found out using all those different versions of the Bible, these words are changed in all of them. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know enough to know what was going on with the Greek manuscript evidence. Now I do. Now I know what's going on with the Greek manuscript. What I'm here to tell you is I spent years and years studying this out. And I can, the best advice I can tell you is you got God's words in that King James Bible. Just stick with the King James Bible. You don't have to go back to the Greek. You don't have to go back to Hebrew. You got it all right there. You're seeing I'm not going, using any Greek. I'm not using any Hebrew. But I'm showing you some crazy things in the Bible just by showing you verse to verse. There's that great mountain again. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. Who is Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel is when Ezra and Nehemiah came back into the land, they had a priest they raised up, and that priest's name was Zerubbabel. And who he's talking about is Zerubbabel. Now remember that when you study out Ezra and Nehemiah, you see Job, what you're seeing here is Ezra and Nehemiah perfectly describe what started happening in Israel in 1948. The, the Jews were in all parts of the known world, and then God starts bringing them back, and they start rebuilding Jerusalem. They start rebuilding the wall. They start doing all that. That's what happened in 1948 when God started bringing Israel back. He start, they start rebuilding Israel. And that, that he said there's a high priest there that was named Zerubbabel. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. We're going to wipe you out. And he shall bring forth the headstone. Therefore with shoutings crying, Grace, grace unto it. The headstone, yeah, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel means seed of Babel or Babylon. Descendant of Babylon. You know what, God, what the Bible's saying right there? The Antichrist is trying to, and the Lucifer's trying to take his spot there, trying to take his spot there at the top of that headstone, and Jesus Christ is the corner, and he is the headstone. This place right here belongs to Jesus Christ. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the head of everything. And Lucifer, through that $1 bill you have in your back pocket, is trying to take his place. It don't work. God says, nope. That belongs to my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings out the headstone. What's he crying? Grace, grace. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace, grace, grace. Some amazing stuff in your Bible. I believe that this mothership will come down. It'll look like a pyramid. It's going to float around the earth. It's going to be called the destroying mountain, the great mountain. And in God, summertime in the tribulation period, he burns it, catches it on fire, and then it's thrown down into the sea, cast into the sea, and all, Revelation 18, they all start welling and bemoaning because that great mothership Babylon has been cast into the sea and destroyed. And it's going to look a lot like a pyramid floating around. Look at Revelation 12. I know some of y'all are like, this guy is completely nuts. And I am completely nuts, but at least I'm reading the Bible to you while I'm being kooky. Revelation chapter 12. So there's a great war breaks out. And of course, I, when I get to this chapter, I'll preach it and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. But a great war breaks out in heaven. The devil's up in heaven right now. Some of y'all might not know that, but the devil has access up in heaven. And what the devil's doing day and night is accusing me and you. Look at verse 10. 
And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser, that would be the devil, of our brethren is cast down. He's cast down. He's cast down. There it is. He's cast down. Which accused them before our God day and night. That's what he's doing day and night, accusing you. Well, I thought he was yours. Look what Keegan's doing. Look at that sin he's doing. Look at the way he's talking. Look at the way he's acting. And Jesus Christ says, he belongs to me. I'll take care of him. Praise God. Verse 11, how does Keegan come, overcome the accuser? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that keeps me from going to hell. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that keeps me from the accuser winning against me. We're in court, and my, the, the prosecutor's attacking me, and my defense lawyer, Jesus Christ, stands up for me and defends me. If y'all go into our sanctuary here, into our where we eat, fellowship hall, you'll see that big old picture by Michael Huggins. He drew that. That's what he preached, and it shows Jesus Christ standing there, and there's a man, he's got a stack of papers like this tall, all his sins, and Jesus Christ is standing there with him, defending him. That's me and you. And that's what's going on day and night. But he gets thrown down. Now look at verse 12, and I'm closing. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Why? For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. About three and a half years. I believe the Antichrist is going to show up in a ship about like this. He's going to show up. Maybe he'll land close to the... Uh, above Washington, D.C., wherever he goes, he's going to land right there, and this alien's going to come out. People think he's an alien. He's going to come out, and he's going to have, I have all the answers. And the Muslims are saying, well, he's not a Muslim. He's not white. He's not black. He's not Spanish. He's not yellow. He's not polka dot. Everybody in the world sees him and says, he's not one of us. He has all the answers. He goes, I do have all the answers. And this guy's going to step, step out of this ship. You know what he's going to look like? Like everybody in this room thinks Jesus Christ looks like. He's going to have hair about right down to here. He's going to be very handsome. He's going to have a glow about his face. And the whole world's going to say, it's the Messiah. And the Muslims are going to say, it's the Mahdi. And the Buddhas are going to say, it's the Christ. Because they're all Christians, the Muslims, the Buddhists, are all looking for the avatar, the teacher from outer space to come back. And he's finally come back. And he comes out of the mothership. And he says, I've got all your answers. He's been cast down from heaven. And the world's going to, the world's going to, just follow him like the sands of the sea. And God's going to get sick of it after a little while, and he's going to take that old ship, and he's going to throw it in the ocean. He's going to cast it down. Revelation 8, 8, Revelation 18, Jeremiah 51. That's why I've been showing you. And he's floating around. You know what Jesus Christ said? And I'm going to close with Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 26, I'll read it to you for time's sake. But Jesus Christ said, men's, he's talking about the end times. In the end times, he says, men's hearts fell in them for fear. Why are men's hearts felling them for fear? This is Luke 21, 26. Men's hearts felling them for fear. Why? And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Those things which are coming on the earth. Those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Revelation 12. The devil's kicked out of heaven. Now I'm not 100% sure it's going to look like this. But what I'm pretty sure of is Babylon is not a city in the middle of that desert over there. Babylon's floating around because it keeps moving around. 
And the only thing I can speculate is if it keeps talking about the head corner and the corner and the cornerstone is that's looking like a pyramid. And the devil loves to mimic God. And in Revelation chapter 20, you know what you're going to see in Revelation 20, 21, 22? You're going to see a city called New Jerusalem. And when that new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, it's going to float down out of heaven. You know what it's going to do? It's going to float above the earth. And it looks like, brothers and sisters, it looks like it appears to be just like this, a pyramid. With Jesus Christ as the head cornerstone. He's the corner, but he's the head. You've got Jesus Christ, you've got the right one. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let the devil fool you. You've got the right one. Y'all still got that dollar bill? Or did you already put it up? And what's scary about this $1 bill, when you read this, it says, uh, it says uh, New World Order, and below that it says the Great Seal. The Bible says the devil's going to put his mark. In Revelation chapter 7, God says, I'm going to put my seal on their foreheads. Yeah, God, yeah the devil's got his own seal, and he's going to put it on people's foreheads, but you don't want that seal. Because that's a seal that's associated with the number 6, Six, six. It's all associated with that. One of the most popular shows on the History Channel is Alien. Uh, what's that called? Alien? Ancient Aliens. And they talk about this stuff all the time. The pyramids must have been built by the aliens. It isn't aliens. Brother, there's no such thing as aliens. What it is is fallen angels come from heaven. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. You got the Bible. Read the Bible. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Lord, I know this is deep stuff, Father. And Lord, I thank you for your wisdom through your Holy Spirit that we can open up this word and just look at one place to another to another, Lord, knowing that, Lord, you're teaching us. And you've got it in there for a reason, Lord God. And I, I know these, these words are in here, Lord God, and they're not changed. And I can take this and, and this, this chain reference, Lord God, as I chain these words together and start realizing, Lord, that's all tied together, Lord, that you're working, Lord God, and you're going to do a prophecy of destroying the... The, the city Babylon, Lord. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord God, that you've got a way out for them, Lord. They don't have to go through all of this. They don't have to go through one-third of the earth being burned up, the seas turning into blood. They don't have to go through any of that, Lord God. You'll save them if they'll put their faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And when this time comes, Lord God, you'll rapture us out. You'll take us out of here, Lord God, as you pour your wrath out on mankind. And, Lord, I pray and thank you, Lord God. And thank you, thank you, Lord, you gave me an escape plan. And that plan is Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's have a quick invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.